And now. And now. It's time for another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. We talk hard-hitting sports and bone-crunching metal. Sports and Metal. Because sports and metal go better together. Now here's your host, Jason Voorhees. And Aaron Savage. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Sports and Metal Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Savage. With me, as always, is my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Jason Voorhees. Yeah, man. And uh, we're recording today on, on a Friday, uh, September 11th, 2020. Um, and it's obviously always a somber day. Um, thinking of those we lost. And I know, Jay, you know, we were talking about it. We always talk about it that, you know, you always remember where you were on 9-11, you know? Uh, yeah, it's cra- it's crazy, right? I mean, we're- it's crazy. It seems like yesterday, <laughs> you know, that's that's the craziest part. Where were you when it yeah. happened? Yeah, well, uh, I was actually at work, believe it or not. And uh, obviously that was like right around the time, like where cell phones were just like coming into popularity. So I, I, I you know, we didn't have like the social media coverage like you do now, you know. I was like back in the dial-up days of AOL. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, matter of fact, I think I had one of those. Uh, wh- what were those phones called? Uh, uh, the, the, where you could push the button and it would the uh, Nextel. Okay. Yeah. 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 The Nextel. Yeah. yeah. So it, you know, it was like, and, and I I just remember like you know someone told me they were like you know oh uh, the towers just got hit and I I I couldn't understand like what they were saying. And uh, it was just, it was surreal. And like, I remember I ran to a TV and it was just like, you know, what, what's going on? I mean, I mean, cause let's face it. Like it, it was just, I mean, unfathomable. I mean, yeah, you never think that that's going to happen, you know, in our lifetime up to that point, And I know I speak for most of us, I mean, of people of our age, Never thought that something like that would happen on our home turf. I mean, we weren't alive for Pearl Harbor. And Pearl Harbor, at the end of the day, was a military strike. So this was a lot different. This was an attack on civilians. And obviously, the, the, the use of planes as weapons, you know, to that magnitude was something we hadn't previously seen. Obviously, planes had been hijacked and things like that. But this was on a whole other magnitude. And I, I was working for a company called Weston, uh, an environmental company. It was like a temp job I had taken at the time. I was, you know, in my early, mid-20s. I was 25. And I, it was in Edison, New Jersey. So I wasn't far from where it happened. And I remember we had people from the company actually working um, at the towers. And I remember the big panic was like, who was at the towers at the time? People were hysterical, crying. I just gotten to work when it happened. It was a little after 9 a.m. And I remember when somebody said a plane just hit the tower, I remember at first we thought it was just like a plane crash, you know, but then when the second plane hit, that's when it hit you like, wow, this is an attack. And it was like a feeling I'd never felt before. Like I was scared, sad and angry all at the same time. And that was the first time in my life that it felt like the world stopped. And it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but. It's crazy to think that I, I nothing like that has happened as far as the world stopping since until this coronavirus pandemic. Not that it's the same thing, but for different reasons, obviously. But up from then until now, 
the only times I remember in my lifetime that it felt like the world stopped. You know what I mean? Like everything shut down. Nothing was going on. And it just seems to me I can't believe it's been 19 years. You know, the time flies, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's insane that, like you said, 19 years, and it feels like it was just yesterday. And it's yep. like, I mean, obviously that just shows, like, how how fleeting life is and how short it is because, like, here we are, 2020, and, and like you said, it's not the same thing with coronavirus because that was, like, a one-time, one-day event in a short period of time where that many people lost their lives whereas you know the people that have lost their lives with corona like weren't we're, you know not saying that's little but obviously they're two different things i mean th- th- that was just like i just think that was one of those moments you know obviously we weren't alive you know when pearl harbor happened but you know well yeah i mean just, people from that generation always remember where they were people that were around when jfk was assassinated 9-11 is one of those moments. It's just like you, a life you'll never forget. Life yeah, altering. life-altering experience affected everybody. You never forget where you were when it happened. And like I said, from that until obviously when the coronavirus first hit and everything automatically just quickly shut down, it's so mind-boggling like how surreal the experiences were. And to have two such experiences in our lives and we're only in our mid-40s <laughs> is just crazy. Crazy times, man. I mean, you know? Yeah, I mean, I like I like you said, I you know, I was work, you know, obviously that's when I worked at uh ShopRite and uh I was uh actually uh at the time I was in security and I remember like I had to end up working overnight that night because they didn't want to leave the buildings uh you know unattended. That was crazy because like and, I said, we realized we were under attack and we didn't know the, obviously it, then the in the crashed in Pennsylvania. It was like nothing and then the plane that hit the Pentagon. It was just something we had never experienced, and you know, on wood, God willing, we'll never will again. I mean, I remember, like, like you said, I, I, I was scared. I mean, it was, yeah. like, like you said, I, 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 we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, it was just, and, and even like weeks later, I mean, it was still like you know, a devastating and like it just a, an overwhelming feeling of fear, and you know, yeah. Uh, you know, and sadness. I mean, for all those people. Yeah, I mean, sports shut down. And, you know, I always harken back to it. I'm a Mets fan. You know, obviously, sp- all sports shut down in the wake of 9-11. And one of the things that really brought the city of New York and then obviously subsequently the entire country back from the ashes and really showed the world that we could persevere and that we weren't going to let the terrorists stop us and, you know, we're going to go on was when the Mets finally played that game on September 21st to, you know, 2000, I'm sorry. Yes. 2001, 10 days later, it was the first sporting event back after everything had been canceled post nine 11. And if you may remember the Braves were winning that game late and Piazza hit the go ahead home run, the place shook. I mean, every people were in tears that, that like Piazza's home run was just like symbolic of New York rising from the ashes and the country rising from the ashes and that, you know, you can't stop us. We'll go on. And that, that that home run is always replayed. That's like one of those ultimate 9-11 moments, that Mike Piazza home run. That's probably the iconic moment of Mike Piazza's career when he hit that home run against the Braves. Um, and all the players were wearing the FDNY hats and the NYPD hats. You know, the fans were in tears. Everybody was decked out. And the thing that I take from it the most was how, as a country, we were all together. You know, every it wasn't all this divide like we have today, like, 
you know, BLM and this and that, and everybody's hating each other. That the country came together, and, and that's the. There's one thing to take from 9/11. It's that to me that it that it's it's also sad that it takes something of that magnitude, something so terrible, to bring us together, and that we can't always just be like that. You know, everybody was for each other after 9/11. We were all Americans. Everybody was flying the flag. Everybody was the same color post 9/11. You know, doesn't matter you're black, white, red, or green. We were all Americans, and we were all there for each other. And even like when Piazza hit that home run, it symbolized that. All the Mets fans hugging each other, and everybody was loving New York. You know, you could be a Yankee hater, but post 9/11, you didn't care. We just were there for each other. You know what I mean? Obviously, uh, there's always that Philly New York rivalry. Post 9/11, it didn't exist. Even Philadelphia was pulling for New York. You know what I mean, Jay? I mean, I I, I think you. I just yeah. think that you just hit the nail on the coffin right there with that statement. You mean on the head? I'm, coffin's kind of. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> Yeah, I, you hit the yeah, nail on the head. Mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, just to piggyback, I mean, that, that the point you just brought up, like, that was probably the other thing that I remembered most was the day after. And like you said, the, the amount of unity and people that came together and the, the love and, like, just that, you know, everybody. I don't think there was one, you know, person that, you know, you didn't hear any stories of anti, you know, anything. And that, that, that is a big difference of, from what we're dealing with today. And, and I, I guess I, I guess I wish that we could have that same unity that we had today that we had at that time, because yeah, it's just sad. It almost I, seems like it take a tragedy to get us there. It's like, just, that's just I, I mean, and that, that's kind of the, you know, what we kind of all want right now is, you know, you know, and with all these things going on, like obviously last night during the football game, you know, a couple, couple more, uh, you know, acts of, uh, you know, I, I guess I would call it protests, you know, with, you know, the Texans, you know, remaining in the locker room for, you know, both um, anthems and, you know, and then obviously when they came out and they, you know, locked arms and that, that feeling of unity. And then, you know, obviously the, the controversial booing. I mean, it's just yeah. like, I don't understand what, why is there so much angst right now? Like, it, well, since, since you're going there, let's move into that. Obviously it's also the start of the NFL season last night. And to, I just want to kind of go where you're going. We'll kind of uh segue right from nine 11 into the start of the NFL season. You just kind of gave us a perfect setup for it. Uh, and then obviously with everything going on socially and culturally in our country right now, as you said, during the national anthem, the Texans chose to remain in the locker room as a sign of protest, peaceful protest, which I have no problem with. Um, but one of the, one of the things I found almost humorous, it was almost like a Saturday night live skate. It was so ironic. Obviously um, the, the, the Washington Redskins are no longer going by the Washington Redskins. Uh, moving forward, they're going to be known as the Washington football team. Um, so on that note, I found it crazily ironic and funny that right after they did the moment of unity where the two teams locked arms in the center of the field, and then they were about to announce the game, and Chris Collinsworth was in the booth talking about the moment of unity, saying how I support the players. And right as he's saying all this, you start hearing the Indian war chant, whoa, whoa, in the Chiefs stadium, man. That's like, uh, was the irony lost on everybody? Was the irony lost on everybody? You, the Redskins aren't the Redskins anymore. We're talking about peaceful protest. 
getting rid of racism and we're doing this. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh my goodness. You texted that on a group chat. Uh-huh. Text. I, I thought I thought it was so ironic and so like unself-aware of the NFL and everybody involved in the moment. It was hilarious. But oh my god. Anyway, so what I, yeah. What do you what do you think of the football season, dude? Who's your pick? Like, what's going on? Well, uh, you know, obviously, I watched. I tried to watch most of the game. I kind of fell asleep uh, at the end. But um, obviously, I mean, who do I think is gonna? You know, what do you ask? Who's your Super Bowl pick this year? Well, I mean, I'm. I, I got to go Chiefs again. I. I, I just don't think. I, I think t- last night they just showed you it's, and that's with no preseason games, and that offense just added another weapon. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know who your pick is, but that's I got to be honest with you. I, I mean, for the first time in a decade, I'm not picking the Patriots. <laughs> it's, it's the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are a juggernaut. I think they have a solid I mean, defense. I think, hold on, I think they're a solid defense, and I think they're an offensive juggernaut. Um, obviously, Mahomes, uh, Kelsey's the best tight end in the league, in my opinion. Uh, Tyreek Hill is as dynamic of a player as, as there is in the league. My favorite receiver in the NFL is probably Tyreek Hill. Uh, then you still have Sammy Watkins, who could be an elite receiver on a lot of teams, like barely even plays in the Chiefs' offense. I mean, that's how much depth they have. They have Hardman, and I love the rookie running back. What's his name again, Jay? Uh, Clyde Hilaire. Yeah, I love him. He's going to be a stud. Well, not not stud. to interject, but can 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 we give Andy Reid some more credit? I mean, we already gave him credit on a, on a previous show. But I got I gotta say, I mean, not only is the guy a quarterback whisperer, I mean, obviously he had McNabb and Mahomes is on another level. But I mean the guy the guy was responsible for drafting LaShawn McCoy, Brian Westbrook, and now this Clyde Hilaire who looks like he could be the next coming of Priest Holmes. I mean, the guy's amazing. Uh, everything about him, and then obviously the way he, like you said, quarterback whisper. He brought. Alex I'm just Smith saying. I, I think Andy Reid is. I think it's about time that people realize that this guy's a genius. Not 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 just offensively, but but roster wise. I mean, the guy. He's a great coach. That's that's what I'm saying. He brought Alex Smith over, and basically, Alex Smith became a star under Andy. Reid. I mean, Damian Williams. Like you plugged him into the offense, he was like a stud in that offense. Uh, it's like I, I think he's. he's I, I'm with you. He's one of the great coaches of all time at this point. I mean, I, got, I gotta be honest with you. Towards his end of his Eagles tenure, I mean, we were sick of him. But I gotta be honest, I'd take him back in a second. Uh, I, guy, I thought you guys were crazy. I thought Eagles fans were absolutely insane. The guy just knows what he's doing, and he, like I said, I, I think it. You know, obviously, you know. Look at what he's done with the Chiefs. I mean, in a short period of time. I mean, you're talking four years, and 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 now, I I mean, they're I I I agree with you. I think they're a juggernaut. I think they win at least three three, if not four, Super Bowls under him. Maybe more. I mean, the guy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'll tell you this: the Eagles fans really underappreciated him. And I will say this: when I'm going to say that I was right about something, I'll tell you because I'm going to do it now. I told you then about it. Everybody was on the Chip Kelly bandwagon. It was ridiculous the way the Eagles fans ran Andy Reid out of town. It was it was terrible. Well, I'm, the guy so much for that franchise. You know, he's a great coach. I'm, I mean, I'm the uh, the poster picture for that because, like I said, I was I was probably one of the main ones, vote, you know, trying to get him out. And like I said, I would take him back in a second because I'm going to tell. And I and listen, I love Doug Peterson. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he won the Eagles their first Super Bowl, but. 
I'm going to tell you that Andy Reid, like I say, he is just elite when it comes to talent. If you look at the Eagles drafts since Andy Reid left, and that's all on Howie Roseman, which you don't want to get started on that. But the Eagles drafts have been actually terrible. Besides yeah. Carson Wentz and, and, and you know, um, Zach Ertz, I believe, actually was uh, drafted, you know, before Peterson. Um, their drafts have been terrible. And that's, like I said, Andy Reid had a big handle, even when he was with the Eagles, on drafts. And it showed. Because those teams, even though they didn't win a Super Bowl, his teams with the Eagles up until that last two years where, you know, obviously they just, the roster was just getting old to the point where, you know, players were done, but those teams were right there every single year. I mean, they won, they went to the NFC championship five years in a row. You know what I mean? Super Bowl. Um, I don't yeah. think you can, you know, say enough about those teams. And that obviously was Andy Reid. I'm with you 100%. Anyway, Jay, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with our Picks of the Week. Sounds great. Hey, I'm Kevin. Hey, I'm Johnny Ying. Tune into our radio show, Philly Rock Live. We play the classic hard rock and metal from the 70s and 80s. We grew up on. We play the new music those same bands are making today. And we play new music from around the world. Not to mention the great bands from our own local scene. You will not hear a mix of music like this anywhere else. If it kicks ass, we We play play it. Philly Rock Live. Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. Philly time. On phillyrockradio.com. Listen online with your mobile device or even your smart speaker. And we're back. All right, it's time for the picks of the week. Uh, this is a segment where Jason and I, we want to tell you about something. Um, something that we think kicks major ass. Uh, something hard rock, heavy metal related. It could be a concert DVD, a new album, an old album. And Jay, in this case, I'm doing a documentary for my pick of the week. I'm changing it up. Whoa. <laughs> but obviously, you know about it. It's the, uh, the A&E documentary about Ozzy that was on this past week. Um, did you get a chance to check it out, Jay? Um, I actually did, uh, due to your great review. So, uh, why don't you tell everyone about it and then I'll chime in. Okay. Um, so it was on, like I said, it was on A&E this past week, the nine lives of Ozzy Osbourne. It's a documentary. Uh, it was by director R. Greg Johnston, uh, who has known the Osbournes for about 20 years. He worked with the, uh, uh, Osbournes on the show, the Osbournes. Uh, the MTV reality show that used to be on. I'm pretty sure he also works on the Ozzy and Jack World Detour show, uh, the reality show where Ozzy and Jack travel all over the place. Um, but, the, I mean, the documentary, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. It's not like, as an Ozzy diehard, and I've read Ozzy's book, and, you know, growing up with Ozzy, it's not like it really gave me much that I didn't already know. But it was just awesome to see it and see the pictures that accompanied the story and hear Ozzy's commentary on a lot of it, which was, you know, something new, obviously a lot of the stories you heard, but to see Ozzy now at 71 years old, whatever, and looking back on those moments, I thought was awesome. And same with Sharon. I mean, obviously there were some dark moments that went over when Ozzy almost killed Sharon, you know, the old story about, um, when he goes up to Sharon, he's looking at her. He goes, oh, they told me you must die or something like that. And he started choking her. So it was some dark stuff. But, you know, they're all here to talk about it. Ozzy and Sharon are obviously still madly in love. And Sharon's always been there for Ozzy. 
I mean, like I said, it, it didn't really shed much light on stuff I didn't know personally. But it was still awesome. The pictures of everything from Ozzy's youth in Birmingham growing up, working class family. They had outdoor plumbing. You know, it was it was cool to hear the stories how, you know, Ozzy's known as the madman. And, you know, he's always been a funny guy. And the reason he acted like that even in his young age was more as a defense mechanism because he was like so embarrassed of his upbringing, being you know poor and working class, you know, shitting outside, <laughs> you know, basically, um, you know, went through all through the Sabbath era, went through all Ozzy's solo period. Obviously was touched a lot on the Randy Rhodes era. If there was one thing I was a little disappointed with, it, it didn't really get at all into Jakey Lee and obviously Zach wild, it's particularly Zach. Cause he's been with Ozzy for 20 years or more. Why? Wow, 89, 99. Yeah. Long time. <laughs> Zach's been with Ozzy. So I was a little disappointed that they didn't talk a little bit more about Ozzy's relationship with Zach and talk a little bit about Zach. But at the same time, I kind of understand that it was more hitting on the older stuff. It did. It touched really lightly on No More Tears being his biggest record. Kind of just really brushed over the whole Jakey e. Lee era and the, and the newer stuff. But, I mean, it was awesome. It's just anything that involves Ozzy, I'm there. You know, sign me up. I enjoyed the shit out of it. So... If you're a metal fan, an Ozzy fan, I highly recommend it. If you could find it on demand, it was on A&E, The Nine Lives of Ozzy Osbourne. That's my pick of the week. And I know you wanted to talk a little about it, Jay. Yeah, well, it, uh, you know, last night I actually was able to go on, obviously, on demand. So, um, you know, I watched it. And now, you know, for me, uh, you know, obviously, I haven't read all his books. So I'm not as... I don't want to say I'm not as much of a fan as you, but I don't, I don't know as much. So for me, I mean, it was a lot more enlightening some of the stories that, you know, and I thought they did, did a phenomenal job, you know, basically in a two hour show, obviously, you know, to be able to get, you know, pretty much from his early days, you know, as a, as a kid to, to where he is now, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, they, you know, they didn't touch really on, you know, those two periods, which I kind of thought was a little odd. But for the most part, like I said, I, I totally enjoyed it. it you know, I, I like the beginning, how they had, you know, a few of, uh, you know, those, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, talking about, you know, Ozzy. Uh, you know, they had well, yeah, I thought it was cool to see his sisters you know, and his brother. Yeah, they, never they had a sister you know? and his brother and then, you yeah. know, like. You know, a couple of the artists that, you know, Marilyn Manson, Jonathan Davis, Rob Zombie, uh, Post Malone, and even Rick Rubin. They all had kind of basically interviews in the intro. And then they had those same uh, characters do uh, interviews in the outro. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, I, I, um, I'm i not as much, you know, I'm not, not as knowledgeable as yourself on Ozzy. But, you know, I, I thought that you know, they touched on the fact that, you know, Randy Rhodes kind of invigorated him after he was pretty much, well, obviously, uh, you know, kicked out of Sabbath. And, yep. um, and while you're hitting on that really quick, it's it kind of tying back a couple weeks ago, my pick of the week was Ozzy's album, Ordinary Man, the new record. And uh, I mentioned the video for Under the Graveyard and how it kind of reenacted the whole Ozzy when he was kicked out of Sabbath that last time and he was holed up in the hotel room just getting high and basically killing himself. And how Sharon came to rescue him. And that was kind of touched on in the documentary, too, that whole period. So that was cool. You know, just sorry to interrupt you, but I just no, have to get into No, it you're not bit. interrupting. I, I, and I, like I said, I, I just think it kicked major ass. And I think for a documentary, 
it, they did a phenomenal job. Like, you know, like sure. you said, there's always going to be things that maybe, you, you know, you, you would have liked to have saw better, but you know, you know, if you're a diehard metal fan and obviously, you know, Ozzy is basically one of the godfathers. I mean, um, you know, obviously Black Sabbath and Ozzy, they, they provided the, the template for all future, you know, heavy metal, you know, versions. So yeah. Yeah. I think if you're looking to, you know, for a decent show to, you know, enjoy, you definitely got to check it out. And Aaron, that was an awesome pick of the week. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to add to, I appreciate that, by the way, I, I didn't mention it, but it was awesome at the end. I mean, I was almost in tears just hearing Jack talk about his father's legacy. And just the, the little things that he did and some of the bigger things that maybe are underappreciated. And he was in tears and saying, you know, I think that's pretty fucking cool. And I, I just, I'm not going to spoil it. Check it out. It was awesome. That's my pick of the week. What do you got, Jay? What's yours? Well, um, I actually have a really cool pick of the week. Um, I'm actually, I have another breaking news, brand new release pick of the week. All so right, right. Uh, this album was actually released today. And my pick of the week is, the album We Are Chaos by Marilyn Manson. Um, nice. It's actually uh, his first release since uh, 2017's Heavens Upside Down. Uh, it was produced by famous country producer Shooter Jennings. Uh, now, obviously, uh, this guy's done some really extraordinary work with some other artists. Uh, it, it, we talked about his work with Duff. Yeah, well, I was, I was going to bring that yeah. up. Uh, it basically, yeah. the album features a bunch of session musicians, uh, including Jennings, who played guitar, piano, and backup vocals. So, uh, you know, it's not it's not the, the normal Marilyn Manson band that we're used to, you know, from years ago. But we have to understand that, you know, he's evolved as an artist, and I think that's part of it. Um, if you're expecting the Antichrist superstar or portrait of an you know, American family style, then I would say you'll be sadly disappointed. However, don't think for a second that means this record is not good. Cause honestly, I think it's a masterpiece for me. This album, it, it basically runs the entire gamut of his career after I would say post antichrist superstar, as far as sound and style. Uh, most notably though, there's a ton of mechanical animals influence on this record. Uh, you know, a lot of David Bowie, Mark Bolan-esque vibes that I got when I awesome. listened to it. Uh, I'm obviously, I, it just came out today. But uh, just to put in perspective, uh, Marilyn actually was asked in an interview, and this is, he basically described the album by saying, I'm in a mode in life where I wanted to tell stories with this record. And it's sort of like a wax museum of my thoughts, a study of the chamber of horrors in my head. All the romance and hope you can have in the world here in the end times where it can be a different kind of apocalypse for each person listening to the record. I tried to paint it with words and shooter with sounds so you can see and hear all of your longing, your passion and despair. That's sort of a dramatic explanation of it, but it's full of drama. I wouldn't compare it to any of my other records, but you hear a bit of everything. It's like I focused everything in the one spot. Awesome. So. Basically, it's safe to say that Jennings, you know, brought an added element to this record. Uh, if you're looking for another example of his uh, work, like Aaron said, check out Duff's Tenderness album, which was an absolute masterpiece. So this guy's obviously, you know, a great influence on writing good albums. And I think 
you know, Marilyn Manson, you know, recognized that with, you know, kind of his last few albums haven't been as good. So uh, just a couple quick tracks. The first track is called Red, Black and Blue. And I would say it's definitely the heaviest out, uh, record uh, song on the record. Um, you know, it, it's basically something that you would expect from him. Uh, the rest of the record is not not really a heavy style record. It's more, you know, Southern style. And like I said, the mechanical a- animals uh, elements. Um, but, a little of those elements. Yeah. The best track on, my, on the record, though, in my opinion, is called Halfway and One Step Forward. It basically takes a bite right out of the 80s New Age pop playbook. Um, so if you love the Pesh Mode or The Cure, then you'll 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 absolutely love this this song. Uh, other highlights include "Don't Chase the Dead," "Paint You with My Love," and uh, "Broken Needle," which is actually the final track of the album. And that that base, if you if you love Mechanical Animals, then you're gonna love this track. It 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 kind of reminds me of Speed of Pain record. Which is one of my uh, favorite so, songs, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 got that acoustic, you know, vibe and, and just the way he, he sings the song. It's it's just got that kind of you know how he always changes his uh his vocal range. And yeah. like I said, it I only listened to it today, but I'm telling you, that's my pick of the week. We are chaos by Marilyn Manson. And in my opinion, this is his greatest album since Mechanical Animals. So awesome. and that's saying a lot because he's put out a couple decent records since then. But like I said, much of his newer materials just tended to be too long and overdrawn you know a lot of filler this record's basically straight to the point you know it's 10 tracks and it's not too long it's just perfect perfect uh combination so i think he struck gold here guys definitely check it out we are chaos marilyn manson awesome i'm gonna make sure i'm gonna i'll probably be listening to that tonight dude (laughs) (laughs) anyway brother it's been a great show um we're gonna wrap it up here um, we're looking forward to week one of the NFL this Sunday. Um, any big upset picks this week, Jay? Uh, any predictions? I would say uh, I'm trying to think of some upsets. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers. Well, I don't know if that would be considered an upset. Who are the Packers playing again? Uh, hold on. I'm I got to be sure. honest. I'm, it's, <laughs> the season just kind of crept up on me because of, because of the COVID. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was looking earlier and now yeah, I, Pack, I wasn't Packers, expecting Vikings. That. Packers, Vikings. Yeah, I, I think I'm taking the Packers. All right, cool. That's well, that's your pick of the week in the NFL. So I, I, next week, I'll probably be a little more NFL prepared. Yeah, I got to be more yeah, prepared. Kind of I wasn't really prepared. And, uh, like I said, sports was kind of creeping up with all the bullshit going on. No preseason, whatnot. So anyway, dude, great show. Uh, you're in my fantasy league. For those that don't know, Jay's in my fantasy league. And Jay, get ready to get destroyed in fantasy this year, brother. <laughs> yeah, you're going to kick my ass. We'll see. All right, guys. Great show. Jay, always enjoyed it. I'll talk to you soon, man. Peace out. Peace Good out. rock and roll. Later, guys. Peace out, brother. And that's our show. Tune in next time for more Sports and Metal. With Jason Voorhees and Aaron Savage. Got something to say? Hit us up at sportsandmetal0423 at yahoo.com or on Twitter at sportsandmetal.